Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Peter Dowd of the IrishGardener.com joining us. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. We've been, uh, we're again obsessed with uh, weather. And while Europe is getting this heat wave, France in particular, we've just got this very muggy kind of weather. Yeah, it's kind of not fair, is it? No, it's it, not. It's, it's even when you're watching the TV forecast, and you, you, it's very difficult to have confidence in the TV forecast that they can't get the past <laughs> tense right. I was watching the news yesterday. They said, we've had a glorious sunny day. And I said, where? I, know. <laughs> I know, but then our, our John Paul is back with us today. He's been off for the last two weeks and he's staycationed. And he's come back with a big brown head on him and he hasn't been out of the country. And he That's was in various. Yeah, he was in various parts. And I know you need to look at the sun and he goes brown, but he was in various parts of the country and he said when he was, you know, when he was on to home, there was, oh, it's miserable here. And he said there was other parts of the country with glorious sunshine. There must be like a sort of a, a cloud hanging over Cork that we just need to blow away. Well, we had a good enough summer now, but I was laughing, I must say, at the weather forecast last night in particular when they said that. And they were referring to a bit of a cloud that would come over the west of the country. And if you looked at the the, the graphic behind the girl, it was 90% of the country was covered yeah. in cloud, except yeah. County Dublin. <laughs> a small part of the west coast. But anyway, anyway. anyway. Well, ever thus. OK, let's get yeah. straight into a lot of questions in. Tim and Fomoy says, I've got scented lilies. I was growing them in pots. If I take them out of the pots, how do I store them for the winter? Yeah, well, it's very simple. And if they've finished, first of all, make sure they finish flowering, obviously. But once they've finished flowering and let the foliage die back, so let the green stem and the green leaves all die back because that'll put the, the nutrients back into the bulb for, for next year's flowers. Uh, and all you do once that has happened is you cut off the brown stem, wrap them in a bit of newspaper or a bit of dry straw, anything just to keep them um, dry and store them somewhere again dry and cool until planting out. And for summer flowering lilies, you'll be storing them probably as about January, I would say, January, February, and you'll plant them out then again next January, February. Could you just leave them in the pots? You could, particularly if they're in a pot. Uh, a pot is better than the open ground because pots are well-drained. So the problem with lilies, or the, the risk, not the problem, the risk with lilies is that they would get saturated over the winter. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm a lazy gardener. I do leave mine out because they are in well-drained soil and they do come on year after year. But uh, I guess the textbook advice would be to take them up and store them and divide them if necessary, yeah. Okay, how do I, says a listener, could you ask Peter, how do you prune blackberries and what manure fertiliser do they like? I'm just trying to remember now, blackberries, blackberries you'd prune during the winter months, kind of November to February is when you would do it and you'd prune off this year's, you know when you do something and you you don't don't concentrate on what you're doing then you try and explain it, (laughs) I'm trying to remember now to break it down, so the fruits that have fruit, the stems that have fruited this year you remove completely uh, and any stems that have any stems that have emerged but haven't fruited this year you can leave on but but a lot of the, the growth that comes next year is what will produce next year's berries so you can cut them back as hard pretty hard really as hard as you want uh, in between November 
Uh, the best fertilizer, they don't really need fertilizing, but if you do want to fertilize them, uh, I would use the Nature Safe, which is the organic plant-based one. It's a granular feed and feed and put a, put a fistful of that around the base of them in the spring uh, and do it do it monthly through the growing season. Okay, Geraldine has read Crocomias. Crocosmia. Crocosmia. Yeah. That's the Montbrecht, is it the red version? Yeah. It, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, could you ask, Peter, what conditions do I need for growing same? Well, the, the Crocosmia, as you say, it's a, it's a cultivated form of what we have as the wild Montbrecht. Uh, so anybody who has grown it will know, well, it'll grow wherever you put it. Now, the, the red form, which is probably a variety called Lucifer, it uh, does like quite a lot of sunshine, so it'll grow pretty well anywhere. Give it, it doesn't like a waterlogged soil, so give it 90% of our soils, a good, good, uh, well-drained soil uh, in full sun and really let it off and it, it'll thrive. Easy enough to grow as well and they're, and they're, oh, they're quite spectacular when they're in full flower. Stunning, yeah, stunning at the uh, moment. They're gorgeous. quite a bit taller than the, the common orange one uh, and really dramatic. Yeah, they're dramatic gorgeous. Effect. Mike and Bantry, I had red geraniums growing in window boxes last year. At the end of the season, I simply threw them out. I'm now start, starting to think, should I pruned them back and kept them lightly watered over winter in a glass house? Yes, that's yeah. exactly what you should have done. Or, as I referred to the fact a minute ago, I'm a lazy gardener, I left mine out, even though I was advising <laughs> on the radio for people to take yeah. them in, I left mine out, uh, and they were fine. So, you, like, we had And especially when Mike has a glass house. Well, if you have a glass house, yeah. absolutely you should, because not only are you saving money by not replacing them, but you'll also have much stronger plants next year because they're that year older. Uh, and many years, as I say, if our winters are mild, you can leave them out. But if you have the glass house, do bring them in definitely and you'll be guaranteed to get them through. OK, I love to see people planting wildflower seeds. So I love this kind of question coming in for Peter. I planted a packet of wildflower seeds. Some grass, docks and nettles have also come up. Do I pull them out? I would say no. It depends. It's, it's kind of personal choice because what is a nettle or a dock but a wildflower? Wildflower, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so, and, and nettles in particular, well, both nettles and docks are, or particularly nettles, are, are very important for as a feeding plant for a lot of the butterflies. A lot of our butterflies, will the larvae will feed on the nettle and the, at caterpillar stage rather they feed in the nettle and also later when they have, this time of the year when they are butterflies, they'll feed on the, the the nectar of the, and the pollen of the, the nettle flower. So they're very important from a biodiversity point of view. I, I would be slow to take them out, I'd be slow to remove them, but perhaps control them. So in other words, if they become widespread, if there's too many of them, remove some of them. Um, or if a clump gets too big in a, in a year or two's time, take it out or reduce the size of it. Uh, or perhaps where you put your wildflowers, you might have an area near a ditch and let them grow away there. Um and maybe in, in the middle of the wildflower area, you may not want them and remove them from there. But no, I'd be slow to take them out completely. OK, because staying kind of on that theme, could you ask Peter, please, what are the best and nicest coloured flowers to set for bees in a little haggard of a quarter of an acre? Nothing that grows fierce high, please, uh, says D. I love the I love the exactness of the question, yeah. fierce high. What's fierce high? <laughs> <laughs> the great ones for flowering at the moment. I mean, there's, I could spend obviously the, the the whole few hours talking about flowers for bees, but the best ones that are going to come in that are in flower at the moment are the purple loose strife, which is beautiful. You'll see it all around um, all around the country at the moment in hedgerows throughout the country. Purple loose strife and another one. Uh, you, but you can get cultivated forms of that. So don't go to the hedgerows of Ireland and start taking things out because number one, it's illegal, but number two, they're not going to transplant at this time of the year, so you'll end up just killing the. 
plant. So please leave the hedgerows alone, but you will get cultivated forms of the loose trife. There's one called Robin, a variety called Robin, which is available in your garden centres. And that won't get quite as big. It won't get fierce high now. It'll still get to a couple of feet, but it won't get overly high. Uh, another one, which is in flower at the moment and will be for the next month or so, and it is just spectacular for bees and butterflies, and it's a plant called Agastache. Uh, it's a lovely, now Agastache, you can get blue forms of it, which is the one that's in my head, blue fortune, which is a lovely one. But you can also get orange forms of it uh, and different shades. So there's different shades available. But the Agastache, it's got a lovely kind of licorice scent as well. It's a lovely plant, but the bees will love it. The purple loose drive. And then actually what you'll find is the best, if you really are concerned about planting for the bees, a lot of what the best feeders, the best food producers for the bees are not necessarily what we would regard as the most colourful. For example, ivy, the flowers off the ivy in late winter is important. Alder, things like that. A lot of our trees, which we tend not to think of as flowering, they're very important feeders for the bees too. But I'd say for the moment, the two I'd look at are purple loosestrife and agastache. And of course, rodbeckias coming into flower at the moment. Okay, Sheila, to see this question will make you smile. Sheila says, I've got a rose bush that's been there for over 20 years. It's always had a pure lemon yellow flower on it. But this year, one bloom is speckled with pink. There's a bright pink rose bush nearby. Could they have done the bold thing when my back was turned, says Sheila? (laughs) (laughs) Who am I to say no? (laughs) It is possible. It is possible, I suppose. And again, talking about the bees, birds and the bees, uh, it it could well have hybridised in some way. I can't think of... um, I can't think of any other explanation for it. It very possibly did uh, uh, cross-pollinate, and you are maybe getting... Well, there, there is another explanation, and that is um, that it, it plants do mutate, and that's how new varieties are formed. They do have, produce what's called a sport. So uh, you may have um, one that has mutated. You may have a, a plant with a sport, and that would lead to a whole new rose variety. That's, that's just one of nature's yeah. phenomena. But it could have, it could yeah. have cross-pollinated. Keep an eye on it. Margaret in Ballyhooley, I'm growing white turnips and when I cut them when I cut them open yesterday, they were all brown on the inside. A few weeks ago that hadn't happened, so it's only something that's happened in the last few weeks. What do you think has gone wrong? You have a fungal rot there, unfortunately, I'm afraid. And there's really little little nothing you can do at this stage just to harvest them and hope that they're not all infected. But it's caused by well, the fungal infections are rife this year because it's very, very warm and humid and quite damp so that's perfect conditions for the development of fungal infections so poor drainage all you can do really is looking towards next year you can't save it for this year uh, so looking towards next year improve the drainage um, improve the the lime content of the soil a lot of these fungal problems won't tolerate lime limey conditions and also crop rotation so move move don't grow them don't grow the turnips in the same place this year grow them in a different part of the garden but it's really you're looking at solutions for next year I'm afraid Okay apple trees says a listener the leaves are going black and dead but the apples seem to be coming on fine I wonder there's a couple of things I'd wonder there number one if it's drought so if they're growing if they're newly planted if they're only in the last year or two uh, that could be causing it um, if they're growing in pots, they could have dried out. That could be causing it. And unfortunately, if the apples are coming on fine now, if drought is the problem, I'm not saying it is, but if drought is the problem, the apples may look fine now, but they will most likely fall before they, they ripen. So do pay attention to watering. Uh, hard to say then without seeing the leaves to, to give an accurate diagnosis, but there are fungal problems. It could be a sign of canker or something like that, but I don't wish to alarm. Um, you will see.
see symptoms of canker this time of the year with leaves, uh, with holes in the leaf, with, with um, fissures in the bark, uh, which is obviously the bark fissures will be there 12 months of the year, but you'd see the symptoms with holes in the leaves and premature dieback, which just could be in the growing tips and on some of the leaves of an apple tree, which is another symptom of canker. But I don't want to alarm the listener because without seeing the overall mm. tree, it's impossible to say. Okay. Uh, Maura was looking for advice. Maura says, Hi Peter, my grandson grew an orange plant from a seed. Uh, now, how can I keep it alive? By the way, I'm not expecting oranges, says Maura. Right. I transplanted it yesterday into a bigger pot. It's a lovely thing to do with the grandson as well, isn't it's it? It's gorgeous. It's a lovely, lovely thing to do. And I would expect oranges. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I would. Yeah, give it time. Um, the uh, sorry, and I'm just thinking. I was just thinking after I answered the question about the roses. To go back a step, it couldn't actually be the the, the cross pollinating because the cross pollinate. If they had cross pollinated, it would be a, the seedling of the rose that would send you up this different colour. Ah, the, the rose oh, itself. Okay. So it's it's most likely a sport. Sorry. So with the orange, okay. yeah, pot it into a bigger pot. Definitely, you could leave it outside at this time of the year if you wanted, uh, and it may be outside. That's fine. But certainly during the winter, and I would say, and this isn't somewhere where I'd be lazy like me with my geranium, certainly for the winter it would have to come in into a conservatory or glass house. And I suppose ideally it would be indoors all the time, unless we got a summer like last year. Um, so keep it indoors, keep repotting it about once a year, and who knows, who, who's to say that in time you won't have um, oranges. oranges. And let us yeah. know more. My apologies to Dennis, I misread. It was uh, blueberries he wanted to know about. That was the question, how, how do you prune blueberries? Okay, well with blueberries, at the same time of the year actually, so it's November to kind of March you do it. And you're all, you're, you, never, you never cut back a blueberry plant completely, you never cut it all back, so you'd, you'd cut back about a third or a half of the, of the growth. So again, a lot of this year's growth that has produced the berries that's getting woody and less productive, that'll be removed. But the stems that haven't produced yet and that look more green and pliant, you, you leave them on it completely and don't cut them back at all. It, it's, quite, it's quite straightforward. It's uh, about 50%, up to 50% of the plant, 50% or less of the plant is what you remove uh, and, and uh, leave the green green shoots which haven't haven't fruited this year uh, and do it November to March. Lorraine is in Glengariff. Could you ask Peter why my cuttings of the black stem blue hydrangeas never grow the white ones are never a problem? It's one of these things the black stem hydrangeas they, they, they're a relatively new introduction they're only about the last 10 or 12 years Um when she's saying the white hydrangeas, I, I wonder if she mean the black-stemmed white hydrangeas. It's not a question I can really answer. They are, they are less, uh, what's the word, less successful from, from cutting. Uh, I don't have an answer for her. I don't know exactly why. Um, but it's commercially, you would expect a, a strike rate of maybe about 60%. So if, if you're taking 100 cuttings, you'd expect 60 of them. So they're just that bit more difficult, providing she's doing it exactly the same way as she is her white ones. There, there isn't an answer I can give her except that they are that much more unsuccessful or difficult but the important thing is cut them at a node which is where the leaf meets the stem so the node should be the base of your cutting because that's where the, the hormones for rooting the auxins will be into a bit of rooting powder cutting about about four inches in length to leave one set of leaves at the very top of the cutting uh, into your rooting powder and into compost if that's the way you've been trying it and it's not working you could also try doing it with a hardwood cutting which is later in the year Hydrangeas will also grow quite successfully from hardwood cutting. So you do that, you would do that kind of in January of the year. You would take about a 10-inch cutting. Again, the base of your cutting is on a node. You won't have leaves at that time of the year, obviously, so you're just looking for the leaf buds. That's the base of the cutting. Equally, the top of the, the 8 or 10 inches is also a node. 
uh, and it, so it's a dormant leaf bud. The, you, you can plunge them in the soil. They'll take up to 12 months to root, but you will have stronger plants quicker from a hardwood cutting. Um, about eight inches outside... Yeah, and hope for the best. I'm afraid okay. I don't have an exact answer for her. And thank you to somebody who sent in gorgeous uh, photographs of the the Cocosimos, the... Oh yeah, yeah. Cocosmia. Cocosmia. Yeah. I didn't know what they were called until I just heard you speak to Peter about them. A lovely lady at the end of our road gave me some of these a few years ago and look at them now and they're just in full bloom. They're absolutely glorious. Thank you for that. Hi uh, Peter, this is from Barry. When feeding roses, can you put granular feed down on bark mulch or will it burn the base of the rose plant? No, that's fine. You can use the granular one. Just that, That's fine. It, 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 the granular ones will work uh, w- with moisture. But they'll seep in though they won't they won't burn it but uh, what I would say is just the important thing to remember when you're when you're feeding roses that is that you use not just any old plant food that you have lying in the shed roses are quite specific so do go with a good quality rose food like I find the Goulding's rose food is a very very good one or else the nature safe that I was talking about earlier that's also a very good one for roses so just you can use granular or liquid but just make sure that you're using the right one for roses Okay, and the listener says, does Peter know of a creeping flower nicknamed fried eggs? I do, the fried egg plant. Where, where egg can plant. you plant these? It's a bright yellow, bright yellow and white flower. Where can you get it or where can you plant Where can you plant these? You when, plant sorry, when can you oh, plant sorry. these? Oh, sorry. Well, if you're growing them from seed, you would start them off indoors, kind of early in the year, February, March, indoors, moving them out then, let's say, kind of April, May. Um, or you could sow them directly outside during April and May. You, you don't often, if ever, see them in plant form in garden centres, being honest with you. But if you know somebody who's growing some, you, they'd have no problem at all because it's very vigorous to the point of being an invasive plant. Uh, but it's a lovely little fella. Um, but if somebody is growing some, they'd be only too happy, I've no doubt, to, to let you take a trowel in and, and take a clump up and bring it away with you. But you would do that during the winter months. OK, all right. Uh, that's where we wrap it up. You were saying last week, were you heading off to Wic- is the garden fe- show I'm, in Wicklow, isn't it? I'm not heading up to it, no. but there is the RHSI, the Royal Horticulture Society of Ireland, are having their annual garden show in Rossborough House in County Wicklow this Sunday, which will be a great day out. And if I may take a moment to thank... Uh, I, I got a lovely treat last week from uh, Hannah May O'Connell, who I had been speaking to on the phone uh, the week previous, just she was just looking for some advice with the, the garden, and uh, of course I answered her to the best of my ability. But she she sent me a very kind gift last. Week, so <laughs> it arrived into a serious work. It made me smile when I saw it as well. It said people are so kind. Very kind, yeah. very thoughtful. I much well, appreciate it. Well, well done, Hannah May. Thank you for that. This is me. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers. Patricia. Thanks Bye-bye. for that. Bye bye. That is uh, Peter Dowd of theirishgardener dot com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.